What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Skaters Online podcast. Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Torre here, and we are back from Atlanta and SEC Media Days. We had a long day, a long night, a lot of work, uh, but it's finished, Nick. Yeah, and uh, we're coming to you live from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. We're here today. You're going to want to be here August 11th for yes. the one-year anniversary of this place opening. Uh, get your tickets online. They are $66. Mm. 1966, Steve Spurrier's Heisman year. Pretty um, important year. And uh, they're going to have a premium buffet. Uh, I think it's limited to 1,000 tickets or 2,000 tickets. You can get them online right now. Yep. Um, and it comes with a limited edition mint coin. They've only printed a thousand of them. It's got uh, Steve Spurrier's number eleven, the Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. Uh, and They're that's snazzy. Gonna be, that's going to be a collector's edition and uh, a little behind the scenes information. Uh, coach, obviously, the head ball coach is going to get the coins. Uh, of course, he gets the one that's minted first. Also wanted the number sixty six that was minted and the number ninety six, nineteen ninety six yeah. national championship, and, and number eleven. Had to get number 11, 11 too. And you get the jersey number. So, <laughs> so Coach gets four. So that leaves uh, 996 more for you guys to get. Now, speaking of jersey numbers, we're mm-hmm. going to discuss a specific jersey number today on the Gators Online podcast. We'll be joined by Florida Gators running back Naquan Wright mm-hmm. to discuss his rehab, to discuss his upcoming season, and the new number that he's rocking. But a new old number, as mm-hmm. he's uh, quick to point out. So we'll get the backstory on that. And have a really good uh, visit with Naquan Wright. But we got to visit with some other Gators on Wednesday in Atlanta as Billy Napier made his first ever trip to Media Days along with Anthony Richardson and Richard Garage. Ventrell Miller coming back for the second straight year. And obviously, you guys, uh, hopefully, you guys uh, tune into our rapid reaction uh, just to give our kind of feedback and takeaways from the day yesterday. We had a ton of coverage at Gators Online. We've had now the morning to digest everything. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway is is Anthony Richardson. I think a lot of folks, I think even, maybe even including some folks at Florida, wanted to see how he would handle the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and going there and being a representative of the Gators as a quarterback, they hadn't had a quarterback go to SEC Media Day since Felipe Franks, and before him it had even been longer. So we all know that that is the face of Florida football, so you want to represent uh, yourself the right way. And uh, – I think, you know, looking back on some of the other interviews that he did with some of the media outlets there and just the way that he handled uh, some of the questions that came his way, the maturity that he showed in discussing the AR-15 brand change, I think it was a really good day for him and, and kind of just leading him into uh, this 2022 season. Yeah, and and not you or I, but some writers, um, local and national, have called into question or questioned his maturity. And I think even... Dan Mullen did last year, and Anthony has taken responsibility for some things, you know, um, doing a TikTok dance and, and hurting your knee before the, the night before a South Carolina game, uh, maybe not the best, but, like, listen, you're going to make mistakes when you're 20, 21 years old. Um, I think what we're seeing from Anthony is that anytime there's been a misstep, uh, a speeding ticket, anything like that, he takes it as a learning lesson. And I think you're seeing uh, an Anthony Richardson that is realizing – the quarterback of the University of Florida is held to a higher and a different standard. Yes. Uh, Zach didn't get any tickets uh, while driving us to Atlanta, but if he did, it wouldn't have been a story. Nope. Um, so I think what, what I've seen or what I've taken from it is that Anthony is really learning and growing and, and realizing the, the podium and the platform that he's on now just because he's a football player 
and the quarterback at the University of Florida. So it was good to see him handle all the questions. Um, good to see him really be a good representation for the University of Florida uh, and for Billy Napier's program on Wednesday. And, and as you mentioned, this this team and this offense is going to go as Anthony Richardson goes. Yeah. And I think for Billy Napier to come in for his inaugural season and inherit a quarterback like that, um, really good way to kick things off for your offensive system. And I think that being able to build around him, that offensive line that they have led by Richard Garage and some of the pieces that they've added at the skill positions, um, as well as some of the ones that they get back, including Naquan Wright. Uh, there's a lot to like, certainly with their starting lineup. Um, and I think that was part of Billy's message yesterday is, hey, you know, with our starting 22 across the board, we're going to feel really good about that, that group that we put out there um, all throughout the spring and now continuing into fall training camp. It's all about building depth. Now, Billy did say that they feel like there are some guys on the roster that are totally capable of taking that next step and tapping into their potential and being those guys that provide mm -hmm. that second team and that third team depth that they're looking for. But that that's, you know, obviously to be determined and some of that, that depth chart that's going to work out in fall training camp. But, you know, Billy, he took questions from the media. He discussed a, a lot of different topics, but he also went into some different TV rooms and it's a, a lot different setup than what was the case in Hoover. Um, so I think there's more TV rooms now and I'm not sure which one. Oh no. This happened at. Uh -oh. I got to go there, Nick. Yeah. I have to do it. Cause you mentioned TikTok dances mm -hmm. from Anthony Richardson. Well, apparently the Florida Gators head coach is uh, capable of hitting a TikTok dance as well because there is video out there from Atlanta <laughs> at SEC Media Days of first-year Florida coach Billy Napier hitting the Jiggle Jiggle, which I did not know was a TikTok dance until yesterday when it, Nick and I looked it up. It was news to us yesterday. Is, is that what it is, the it's Jiggle called, Jiggle? Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Okay. I, 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 we looked up the dance. In the first version that we looked up, there's no way that Billy did that. No, that was a, that was a professional dancer. <laughs> that was dancer. A, that was that was not a 43 year old man. That was a professional dancer. Um, well, you mentioned 43 too. Happy birthday, Billy Napier. Happy birthday, Coach. But uh, maybe that's why he was dancing. Maybe uh, that's why they got it out of him. I, I'm. I want to. See it's like a, like a like a car accident that you can't look away from. I, I want to see it. Maybe maybe he nailed it. Maybe he's a. Uh, Maybe he has a history of dancing. I just think he's a football coach and probably not a great dancer. And uh, I mean, we'll maybe see. Katie Turner showed him some some moves. Maybe, but like you said, it's gonna maybe not be what Florida fans want to see after Listen, they roast. If, if you've been roasting Brian Kelly, if you've been roasting uh, Shane the, Beamer, Shane Beamer, Dabo Sweeney, it might be a day to stay off Twitter. If, if you've if you've been in those Twitter streets, <laughs> shaming these other coaches, there is video out there of Billy. Somewhere. I don't know when we'll see it. Maybe it gets saved in, 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 uh, until the season or some, some type of pregame content. Um, I'm hoping that it gets rolled out sooner rather than later. Um, but obviously that was, that was some of the, the fun things that, that happened yesterday for the Gators. Um, I think fielding some questions also about what was obviously a tough year last year and how they've tried to kind of bounce back from that. Um, I think that hearing from, from some of the players, you know, the, the one thing that 
I think going into this year that they feel like they're going to have a chance to turn around this season is really the plan that's been put in place from this new coaching staff and the mm -hmm. buy-in that has kind of really permeated throughout the entire team of you have multiple leaders that have kind of set the tone this off season. Um, and you know, a, a lot still to be determined in fall camp. And I think we're going to find out a lot about this team during the first months of the season, but they, the guys that showed up at Wednesday in Atlanta really believe in this plan that Billy's brought to Florida and, and, and his army as well that's help, helping execute that. And they feel like from an X's and O's standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, and just all the things that have gone into building up for this fall, um, they feel confident in where this thing is headed. Um, and maybe compared to where, where some of the things were structurally with the last staff. So that, that that's something to be taken into account. And, and these are guys, listen, uh, I mean, we can even, we'll talk about it probably in a later episode, but the NCAA is thinking about, you know, changing the one-time transfer rules and basically letting guys transfer whenever. These are guys, how many schools in the, in, in the country would have wanted Anthony Richardson? Like if Anthony Richardson, new coach comes in, he's like, I'm not feeling Billy Napier. Dozens. Dozens of schools. Gone. Maybe maybe any school, not not not, not Alabama, who's returning the Heisman winner, would have I mean, loved to have Anthony Richardson. Even even schools that had established starters, bring them on, take them. Um, same thing with Ventrell Miller. Who doesn't want a six-year grinder leader, SEC linebacker. SEC linebacker? Who doesn't want a left tackle with three, four years of experience in Richard yeah. Garage? These guys could have left, and it, it goes a lot. A it premium goes, defensive tackle in Jervon Dexter. It, go, it, goes, it goes a lot to saying, hey, the, these guys bought in. They believed in what Billy was selling. Uh, and, and we'll talk to Naquan Wright about, about his opinions. You know, He's been around. He's a guy who's big on loyalty. And what was his first opinion? What did he think about Billy Napier and the coaching change? It's a great point that you bring up because um, you know, Naquan didn't necessarily sing the same tune as everybody else. Mm -hmm. And you guys will hear this in, in the next segment, but – you know, most players that we talk to in the spring, um, you know, and, and maybe some of them are, are different than Naquan. You know, everybody's levels of trust and how they build relationships is, is different. But, you know, a lot of guys, I think, maybe right away this staff won them over. You know, and there were some things that they did that it was it was kind of like an automatic buy-in. For other guys, that process was, was slow. Um, maybe some guys had great relationships with certain people on the last staff, even if there might have been some issues. But um, and, and regardless of whether there were or not, still when you get a new set of people that you have to work with, that you have to get to know, um, there is that, that low period where, where where's that, there's that unknown. And, and you don't really know um, that person. You don't know how they are. You don't know what, kind of what their goals are for you and how they can help you. And, and for Naquan, He's definitely being a veteran, older player as well. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna have to win him over, and yeah. he's he's not just gonna you know suck it up and, and and bite his tongue and act like everything's okay when he doesn't feel that way. So for him to kind of have a, embrace this staff, I mean, he's probably another guy that that could have decided to leave and had several suitors if he didn't feel the situation was right. So not only has he liked what he's seen and and started to build those relationships, but this staff and several players have singled him out as one of the leaders on the team, one of the mm -hmm. standouts in off-season workouts, who's being vocal, who's holding guys accountable, who's making sure they're taking care of responsibilities. And this is a guy who didn't even get to play in the spring. Yeah. So for him to have that level of buy-in, I think, speaks volumes. And, and I think that's also some of the things that we heard from the guys at SEC Media Days.
Yeah, it uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to see. Now, listen, everything sounds good. Yeah, uh, until you lose a game. Yeah, until you lose a game. Um, but until right you start now, 0 one or zero two or. Well, let's not get crazy. Well, let's 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 not get crazy now. Zach's got yeah, the Florida going zero twelve. Well, hey, we'll, we'll we will get into in the final segment where some of the projections are for mm-hmm. this team and, and how folks see. Um, the Gators in 2022, because I think opinions vary. I, I mean, obviously the, the Gators have a lot of uh, rebuilding and there's a lot of changes there, but there's a lot to like about the starting 22, maybe not so much to like about their schedule and some of the tough early tests, depth, um, depth. Um, and, and just obviously the trajectory of the season could, could change in a lot of ways just based on how some of those early results pan out. So we'll get into a lot of that in the final segment and, and more of our takeaways from SEC Media Days. But we want to jump to this first segment now and come back on the other side and give you guys a great conversation with Florida Gators running back Naquan Wright. Um, really great to hear from him. I feel like, Nick, I know, I know you would agree, probably one of the most wise players on the team. Um, I just I think every time that guy – talks you can hear the wisdom that he has um and and just to hear him share some of his experiences uh he's going to talk about why this new number means so much to him and he's also going to share some stories on florida a former florida wide receiver and the late aubrey hill uh who who was a really um, important person in naquan's life Uh, we're going to jump to this uh, first break we'll come back on the other side and bring you that interview right here on the gators online podcast uh, hi there, this is Steve Spurrier, sometimes called the head ball coach, and I'm here with my wife, Jerry, and our good friend, Sherry Houston, who's the executive director of the Ronald McDonald House Charities of North Central Florida. And we're thrilled to announce that the one-year anniversary of our restaurant, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, is coming up August 11th. We'll be celebrating with a special dinner and celebration that will include the chef's choice spread of the year of all of your Spurrier favorites including the filet mignon carving station. And our famous chocolate chip cookies. With proceeds being donated to the local Ronald McDonald House Charities. We're thrilled to partner with Crunch, Jerry, and the Spurrier Gridiron Grill team to raise funds for the Ronald McDonald House, benefiting children and families experiencing medical emergencies. Spurrier's Gridiron Grill will be donating 11% of all of our food money and 66% of our drink money to the Ronald McDonald House. Go to Spurrier's.com right now and reserve your ticket before they sell out. We'll have wonderful food, special guests, and limited edition one-year anniversary gold collector's coin, as well as prizes like a dinner with Jerry and me. We couldn't have become one of the busiest and most successful restaurants in the South without you, our customers. So we want to celebrate with the most important members of our team, and that is you. I want to celebrate with some of those cookies. Do you have any of those? I do, right here. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. We're now joined by our guest of the week, Florida's Gators running back, Naquan Wright. Naquan, appreciate you joining us, man. I was, I was about to call him uh, six, but it's not six uh, anymore. Uh, yeah, man, back in my element, man. I had to go back to my roots, man. Definitely a blessing. That's awesome, man. We'll obviously get into the, the new number, uh, get into this upcoming season and just everything you've been up to this offseason to prepare for this year. Um, 
But first of all, man, how's summer been treating you? Um, you know, how's regimen been, and and did you have a chance to uh, get away at any point this summer? First, I got to cut you off. It's not a new number. Definitely an old number. Yeah. Uh, just new, just new to the Gator fans. That's all. It's new to, to these type of people. But that that's that number part of me. That number in me. That's something that I take pride in wearing. But uh, summer's actually been going great, man. Just getting back into this thing, like I mentioned, it's definitely a blessing, man. Just to be blessed with another opportunity. Expression, then be out here to compete with my teammates, man. I, I love competing with those guys and 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 showing up every day. <clears throat> now, obviously, go ahead. We talked to you a little bit about that during the spring, um, just how hard it was, like mentally, to not be cleared to go out and compete on the field, and and you probably had some of the trainers like telling you, like, no, we're not running yet, we're not doing this yet, even though you wanted to. What was just that like? And 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 tell, I guess, get your fans a little bit about how you found other ways to be a leader and how you found other ways to contribute? No, nah, man. I mean, it definitely was troubling, man, not being out there, being able to compete. You have a new style, human nature. Everybody want to go out there and show what they can do. So I was very limited to uh, being able to show what I could do. So I figured, man, I could just be a better person, a better guy in the locker room, better guy on the field, just be a leader. Actually, honestly, I was just being myself. And then I see that that court coaches, I, I mean, I, I um. That's just something that's in me, like no pretending. Uh, every day I'm the same because he's the type of guy always trying to get better. So it's just something that leadership, that's that's just something that's in me that, that my family installed in me as a kid and it just continue to grow. Now you did eventually during the spring, you got to get your feet wet a little bit uh, in this new <laughs> offense. Um, yeah. What was it like just to get back out there and run around after the injury you had? I mean, def, uh, it was all, it was definitely good to go out there and run around just to put those pads on those helmets and actually make a cut or, or make a jump cut or catch a pass. And honestly, I really thought I felt fine. I thought I was 100. But now that I reflect from from, from spring into now, I feel totally way much different. Like, I mean, 100% different. Like, I feel like myself now. So, I mean, things coming along. I mean, trusting those guys and we have – we at Florida University of Florida, so we have some of the top doctors, uh, dietitians, and, and and athletic trainers. So, trusting those guys and, and putting my faith in them and the man above, uh, they thought it was best that I just take my time through our spring and don't have any setbacks. And I feel pretty fine right now, man. I'm ready to go. And you obviously dealt with the foot injury in high school. Was it? What was it like going through it uh, this second time around? Now being more mature, <coughs> having already experienced it before, and like you said having all these UF doctors and these resources? Well, I think that the, the first the first time and the second time was definitely different. One thing that I can say is not having as much resources. As in, in high school, I didn't have, like, a PT guy on hand. I didn't have a doctor. Actually, a little quick story. Uh, back home, when I first broke it in spring practice, we went to, like, this little urgent care, and uh, – they told me I, nothing was wrong. Like, they didn't say it was broken. They just, like, a little high ankle sprain. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> Once I heard that, that was, like, a good cue for me. But then just listening to my coaches and parents, we went actually and got another look at it and come to find out it was actually broken. So, I mean, like, those type of resources I didn't have. Like, so now the second go-round where I don't have to go nowhere. The doctor's here. I get surgery the next day. Rehab a week later. I have a cold tub, ice tub. Uh, athletic trainers show up to my house to bring meds uh, to get me around. So just like those different resources that I didn't have back then, I have now, which made the process so much smoother and faster. 
are there is there anything cool? Do you doing like running underwater? I know they've got like those zero those zero gravity <laughs> treadmills, anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I kind of uh, so back home, I trained at a little clinic. Uh, I actually was already in the Ultra G. I was in there now. Only thing kind of different was being just in like what you spoke about, like that underground water, zero gravity pool. We don't have that type of money back home, so I mean. <laughs> We ain't got that, so I mean, it was definitely it was definitely different for me. But I mean, I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed this process of just sitting it and then getting another view at life and bigger than ball. So it was definitely good. Yeah. It's like they say, it's great to be a Florida Gator. You got all kind, you got all kinds of stuff to to, to rehab that foot up here. You got some of the best everything here, man. You name it is here. Um, Naquan, now that you've had time to reflect, especially uh, with the course of your injury. Um, what was last season like for you personally? Um, what you, everything that you got to show and contribute before your injury, and then also just dealing with the coaching change and, and, and adversity last year. Uh, for me, it was just always being in the sense that we had two talented running backs, Malik Davis and Damian Pierce. Especially good teammates, even better people. So I mean, just sitting behind those guys and learning and taking some of the, their tips and, 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 their, and their specialties that they have for the game because those guys have a lot of experience, way more than me. So, man, I just took some of the experience and some notes from them and some tips, and I just applied it and always stay ready. I told myself every opportunity I get, I'm going to take advantage of it, and I try to do that. Uh, I think I could have done a little bit more than that, though. But, I mean, the new coaching staff uh, is different, uh, especially at first, those guys coming in. I don't know them and they don't know me. I'm big on loyalty and trust. I just don't hand that out to anyone. Uh, you have to earn that for me. And I'm pretty sure it's vice versa for those guys. So there was a time I had a little wall up where I'm like, I, I really don't know these guys. Yeah, they're my coaches, uh, but I really don't trust these guys. And I really don't know them, you know what I mean? But they came in with an open heart, uh, was willing to, they told us they're here to serve us. And just through these months, I just have been studying these guys and learning them. And I don't think, uh, uh, these guys is a mistake here. I think they're here for a reason. They, uh, to get us over that hump, get us back to winning. And they some great, great guys. Was was there some moments that you remember this offseason where um, it, it, it was really kind of a, an eye-opener for you when they, they did something or, or something happened that really kind of proved that to you, what you're talking about? Uh, just, something, just something little. I mean, maybe it's big. I don't know. But I just like how uh, – Coach Napier, like, get the player's opinion on something. Like, he don't just go and be, like, like some small – let's say food. Like, say we, say he want pizza, but guys want chicken. Like, let just – like, he'll get your input. What do you guys want to eat? Like, you know what I mean? Just, like, yeah. small, small stuff It doesn't have like to be that. a huge thing, but just small things letting you guys know, like, hey, you have a voice, your opinion matters. That, yeah, definitely. He, he's big on that. We have a voice and our opinion matters. So I kind of like that. Not saying that the last side didn't do that, but – I kind of like that coaches. He big on getting the players and the leaders input on things. He's not just doing nothing on his own. Like he always gonna ask the players, "What do y'all think about this?" or "How do y'all feel about this?" And we all gonna come up to agreement and the answer that he he respect and we respect. Now, how does how did I mean you guys already had established leaders, guys like Ventrell, guys that you knew and, and, and other players looked to. When Billy Napier comes in, it's a new coach. He doesn't know the team dynamics. How does he go about finding leaders or or what guys to, you know, hey, I, this is going to be a guy that uh, when he comes and talks to me, I know that he's speaking for the whole locker room. How does he – what's that, I guess, that structure? I mean, you, you, you go with, like, guys you just named. So, I mean, previous – last year, 
pretty uh, we had leaders and some of those leaders are still here. Mm-hmm. And I think human nature of it is you kind of like think the best players are going to be the leaders. Like, you know what I mean? Just human nature of thinking this thing out. But I think uh, like you want to name it Ventrell. Like that's a guy whether you show up tomorrow or in, in two months, like, he's going to give you the same thing, same leadership, same consistency, same effort. So it's kind of easy for coach just to sit back and watch this thing. And the leaders is going to show like mm-hmm. right at first half, you can, you can pretend – but I'm pretty sure if we go back and had coach from the first time he got here to now, there's no regrets on who the guys that he picked to lead because it's consistency. So those guys uh, being the same came in hard on those guys. And then obviously you've been having the opportunity to work with Jabbar Luke as your new position coach. Um, what do you like about him, man? And what's that relationship like uh, just been getting to know him? Yeah, uh, like I said, at first it was very, it was very tough, tough for me because, like I said, I don't really – uh, trust people like that. I really don't let people in my corner. But I mean, uh, now the relationship is, is definitely much stronger than from what it was day one. Uh, I like that he's a player coach. That's very much huge for me. Like, it took me back to like my high school days at Arby Hill and Benedict Hipper. Like, those guys was more like player coach where they understand you and, and willing to ride for you. Coaches like that, I'm willing to run through a wall for. So, I definitely much appreciate uh, Coach, coach Luke. He's one of those player coaches. And he, he gets your input. He try to understand. He don't like. He have his way of teaching. Then he also say, "How can I help you understand this much better? Like, what am I saying wrong, or what temps have I'm giving? How do you see it?" So things like that is definitely very much special and helpful. And then, and we mentioned you getting a chance to to get your feet wet a little bit in the spring. Um, I'm sure you've been digging into the playbook, man. And 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 as we know, yeah. this is a a running back friendly offense. Um, just how excited are you to get in this system and uh, and show what you can do? I mean, first, man, I'm just very, very blessed to be here. Uh, I'm very screaming excited to run behind those five guys that we got up front uh, with a lot of experience. Uh, those guys uh, done grew. Uh, I came all with, I came in with all of them as a freshman, and now they all playing. So I mean, uh, it's very much huge. Then we have some veteran guys: Sabo, Richard Garage. We have a ton of football and could go and play anywhere. So I'm just very excited to run behind those guys. And those guys will make it easy for me. So <laughs> only thing I have to do is just hand the ball off. I don't have to do too much, but just run. Those guys going to do it all. When, um, we were talking a little bit to, to Anthony and, and we're talking to him really about Ricky Pearsall coming in. Um, he, had, he mentioned you a lot because uh, he was talking about Ricky's quick. He's shifty. He can move, you know, uh, in, in spaces. He goes, Naquan's also a guy that can be that for us and, and do that. How are you fitting yep, into the sir. offense just in terms of, hey, I can catch passes too? Because we, we all know that you're not just a running back. It's not just hand me the ball. You're a well-rounded back. How much can you be involved in the passing game as well? I think I could be very involved. Uh, we have some good weapons on the outside. Uh, they may not have the good media coverage or the big names. But they're going to see this year. I mean, wherever coach needs me at, that's where I'm willing to go. Like last year, whether it's in the slot, kick return, in the backfield, uh, the third screen, wherever coach needs me at, I'm going to take take full responsibility in my role and take advantage. I wasn't changing your position. I was just saying you can catch some balls in nah, nah. the backfield. I wasn't, I wasn't sliding you out to, out to wide receiver, Naquan. Although he did. But, like, to his point, he did that last year. Totally yeah. lined up in the slot and made catches. Yeah, I did a little bit of it, man. It definitely was sweet, man. I kind of, I kind of played a little receiving seven on seven. So coming uh, to here was a little bit, a little bit, uh, pretty much natural. But I mean, like I said before, whatever coach had me, uh, my role is 
I'm going to handle up. He can count on me. We're talking to Florida Gators running back Naquan Wright. Naquan, we mentioned it at the top, but um, the your your new old number. Um, when did you first, uh, you know, when did it come to your attention that you were going to have an opportunity to, to get that? And was it an immediate decision? Did you think on it a little bit or did you grab it as soon as it became available? Uh, no, nah, man, I it, was, it definitely wasn't a hard decision to make. Uh, it was more as a fast one. Once I seen the number open, I uh, felt the need that, that I need to get that. Like, that's me. Uh, just that number alone is very special to me, mean a lot to me. Something I had since a kid that me and my cousins were. Uh, so it's definitely, definitely going to see a different version of me. Like you've seen no other than before. I promise you, you're going to get the best out of me. That's That number, just being in that number alone is going to put me in a different element, I promise you. That's deep. That's yeah. that's. How, what what is the significance? I mean, I, I know obviously watching like your high school high school tape, you see you see the number, but how early did you start wearing it? Why why did you you pick that number? What is the significance to you? And, and you mentioned your cousin as well. So actually, it's three of us, including me. So I got an older cousin and a younger one. Mm-hmm. Actually, my older cousin would he the one started it off uh, playing at, at a park down Bunch Park back home. He the one started with the number. And then it was my turn, and then like that, we just kept passing it down. Mm-hmm. So now, like you go back home, kids wearing it for me, wearing it for my cousin. So now it's like this thing we keep going where, wherever I go at, that's the first number I'm grabbing. Like that just it, it means a lot to me, uh, especially my big cousin. Will, uh, I take pride in it. He passed it down to me. He gave me the right to wear. Uh, <clears throat> it definitely means a lot, man. It, it's something that's embedded into me. Like it's. I don't really know how really much to explain. I just have to show it. It's definitely going to be a difference, I promise you. What you've seen in three years from wearing six, you're going to see a whole lot of different. You're going to, five going to show you a lot in a year, I promise you. Now, how, how much, how much, did, how many, how many times did you ask Emery uh, for a jersey swap <laughs> during these past three years? You were like, yo, EJ, like, let me just, let, let's just switch. Oh, man. I def- uh, yeah, definitely. I'm not going to lie. I asked him, if I had to put a number on it, at least 20 times plus in three years. Uh, because I figured, I mean, he was six in high school. So I'm like, all right, this should be an easy little, you know what I mean? A little, but it's, I, that's what I, that's how I thought, I thought it would be that easy. But I mean, the one that it wasn't that easy. I kind of don't regret it. Uh, wearing six. It was, it was a good number to borrow for a while. Uh, Emory, a good guy. He earned the number, got the number when he came in. Uh, and he put on for us, got us uh, win some games. So, he definitely earned the number and did a good job in it. So I'm definitely gonna gonna rock this number the best way I can. And, and what was the name of your uh, your older cousin and your younger cousin? So my older cousin's name is Chavis, and my younger one is Chavon. That's and awesome. then the one after Chavon is Sequon Smith. So he's worth five. So everybody just like some just some job that keep going on, like generation basically you could say. But but it's like you said, it has to be it has to be approved. You, yeah, you, definitely. It's definitely. not just like, hey, jersey handout day, nah. somebody grabs a five. It's like, no, we have to make sure the person who's wearing five is, is, is going to represent that number the right way like we did. Yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty much in, in the LSU sense of like the number seven there. Got you. Like, you can't just go and wear it. So that's like how we see it in our little family. Like, just because you blow, you can't, you got to earn this and then you get mm-hmm. to wear it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they very excited that I'm that I'm back in the number. First one I told, I told them before I hit the press. That they've been new, so they was pretty excited for me, man. They 
Actually, the whole family been wanting me back in it, but I told them, man, it's a process. You got to be patient with this thing, man. Now, since we're talking numbers, obviously uh, a lot of Florida fans intrigued by Ricky Pearsall getting number one. We talked uh, to we talked to Anthony Richardson yesterday. He said he thinks uh, Coach Napier doesn't really care about the numbers, but Ant understands that it's a big deal for fans and Gator Nation. Um, what do you think about you know Ricky being added to that room and, and what he brings at receiver? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the fans is pretty much much got a little bit of tension about the guy wearing number one. I mean, I can mean I can't understand where they come from uh, because the number one means a lot to the university. So just a transfer coming on there, wearing it. But I mean, if he like me, man, if, if number five meant a lot here, I, I, I'm just gonna get it and I'm gonna wear it prize. So I'm 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 confident that he'll be one of the guys that step up and represent that number one wheel wear. And I had to go up and pull your uh, your old. Uh picture from your official visit to get you in that five jersey oh yeah yeah man I, when i seen it i'm like here we go this, this look more like it man i look i look more comfortable relaxed now man you know what i'm saying so I, i'm definitely man extremely proud and, and excited for what's ahead for the gators man now I, i'd be remiss um naquan uh if if i let you go before getting an opportunity uh for you to talk about aubrey hill um hmm. a guy that meant a lot to me uh, coming up as a reporter, and I know a guy that meant a lot to you. Um, just for all the Florida fans out there, um, you know, to, that we can take an opportunity to talk about him. But what was it like playing for Aubrey, um, having a chance to win a state championship with him, and just what type of impact did he have on your life? Oh, man, Coach Hill, very great guy, father figure, spiritual leader, coach. Uh, he checks all the boxes, man, a great guy. A little backstory. I actually was a – so growing up where I'm from, I told myself I'd never play for Kara City. Like I always said that, because they were they it was not winning. Like they won the powerhouse at the time. So I told myself, man, I'll never play for Kara City. And then one day, I mean like going to the ninth grade, Coach Hill come to my house. And he was like, What do I have to do to get you to play for Kara City? I say, Coach, I don't I don't want to play for Kara City. Like I don't want to play for Kara City. Like that's something I don't want to do. And he was like, man, what do I have to do to get you here? I'm like, all right, coach. Only thing I want is the number five. That's it. So and then from there, once he kept his loyalty on that, man, handed me the number five, and that just showed me how loyalty was. It, uh, and with Coach Hill, it's not so much as a business. Like, that's a guy, like, who house you can go stay at. Like, someone who will give you the shirt off his back. Man, I have the utmost respect for that guy. Uh, actually, I'm in connection still with his wife and son. That's just how strong the relationship was with me, man. I mean... I can't repay him, but I'm definitely going to repay his son and make sure his son in the best situation had the same resources that I have, man. That, that's a guy that who's a real father figure, a stand-up guy for you, who's going to give you it all, go to war for you, man. I, I definitely – it definitely uh, definitely took me a while to really get over his death, man, because that's a guy you could call at 2 a.m. Hey, coach, such and such going on, man. Like, another backstory just so happened. He, during spring, he was at the practice where I broke my ankle. Mm. He was not supposed to be there at the time, but he was just there visiting his old school and stayed at practice. So he was like, man, I can't be here. He the one that called the uh, paramedics and got me all situated and show up to my house. I'm not supposed to be, I'm a junior, not supposed to be seeing college coaches. College coaches can't come to my house. So everything with him was just, man, that just showed me like, this job is bigger than football. Like, 
for you to come to my house, knowing you can lose your job, you still there. For you to hook me up with a doctor to get my ankle situated, knowing that you're not supposed to do that, man, that's just that's just mad love right there, man. Like that just that's something you can't you can't buy that right there, man. That's yeah, a great and, guy. coach. And 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 to think about his his um his first trip to your house trying to recruit you versus one of his last trips to your house where he was consoling you. It just kind of shows um how much he's meant. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, he meant so much to me, man. I seen him like family. Honestly, man, I, I give coach anything. Like, that was just some real love that you can't really explain and put into the right words. Like, that was just a great guy, man. I only had two years with him. He went on to deal what's best for him and his family and even went on to college, and that was tough for him. Still went to Marshall, and it's crazy. He found his way back to Florida, go to FIU. So, yeah. you know what I mean? And through it all, he was still there. Like, come on, you offering me Building a relationship, it's already a relationship there. You offer me knowing I'm not going to no Marshall or no FIU. But it's just finding ways to keep that relationship going. And you know what I mean? Like, I go to his house. I'm playing for Florida. Yeah, FIU. I go to his house on the break. And we kicking it on the grill. A couple of more teammates, his wife, his son. Like, just things like that. Like, life after football. And he was, like, his little slogan was faith, family, and football. And I think I, li I live by that to this day. And, 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 you know, I, I know from seeing it in action, he was a hardcore recruiter. So I know that when he came to your house, he had to be pretty convincing. Yeah, 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 man. He, he straight up for it. He not beat around the bush. Like, he, <laughs> he not beat around the bush. And I can honestly say, man, him recruiting me as a young kid, I call it recruiting now, but as a young kid and, and going into the ninth grade, like, he didn't come and say, oh, you're going to start. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. All his words was, what I have to do to get you, I say, Coach, I just want number five. Then the rest of his car. The rest of his He had your jersey in the car waiting for you. He's like, bro, yeah, it's he, already yeah, here. He, Come on. Yeah, your, your orange yeah, Chiefs, yeah. Is, the five is in the car. Yeah, man. He, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't have it in the car, though. I ain't going to lie. He might have <laughs> did have it in the, He might have did have it in the car, but that was a great guy, man. Actually, before when I announced I'm coming to Florida, he, uh, he brought me, like, some Florida gear, like, you know I can't fit this, man. You six three, I'm five nine. Like this ain't gonna go, but but still, just just that love, that genuine love that coach showed, man. It was unremarkable. And then, I'm sure he would have been happy if you would have gone anywhere. But did do you think it meant a lot to him that that you went to his alma mater? Uh, man, I mean, I think he uh, to him it didn't care because mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he went to Florida. Yeah, this him Florida's in him. That Gator, that orange and blue is in him. He just always wanted the best for me. Like, he never once pressured me, go to Florida. I gotcha. think this is best for you. You have to go here. You play for me. Nah, he never did nothing like that. He supported me in whatever I did. He just wanted the best for me. And then uh, final thing uh, for you on, on Auburn, you mentioned how um, you totally ruled out going to Carroll City. Is like, no way I would go play for that program. Um, what did it mean to see him go to his alma mater and rebuild that into a state championship program. Yeah, it, he did that because I was an eighth grader, and I think they went like four and six or something like that. So I'm like, I'm really not going there now. Like, Coach, you just see our record? Like, man, get out of here. But but now, nah, man, just to see him, like, go back to his alma mater and, and build, like, that just shows you the process of things. Like, he, he didn't go in there and win the state his first year or second year. It took time. It, it took a lot of hits. Uh, a lot of shots to the rear, you know what I'm saying, to the chest. So, 
for him and the coaching staff that we had just to make it through and get us over that hump to win a national championship, feel good. And it's crazy because it went from me saying that I never played for Cassidy so I'm willing to do whatever for Cassidy. Like, I bleed orange and blue. I'm at orange and black. So it's like, man, I'm, I do whatever for Cassidy. I'm, after my plan days retire, I'm thinking about going to coach. Like, that guy made a positive impact on my life, and he set a great example. That's awesome, man. And, and um, you also got to win that state championship with Randy Russell, too. So a, a lot of gamers oh, yeah, yeah, on that yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that state championship felt good. It have not been done in a while. So I think it was, it was a blessing to bring it back to the city, man. It was good. Randy Russell was a great, great teammate, hell of a player, man. I mean, if, if, if you want to compare anybody, that's Sean Taylor all the way. I mean, how school takes that? He ain't ducking no smoke. He he won it all, so, man. No, Randy was the smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, Randy was a good guy, man. It's crazy because me and him only got – like, the coach only let us hit, like, twice. Like, that's something that we weren't really doing like that. You know what I mean? But Randy's a good guy, man. That's a guy that – you don't you don't want you don't want tackling you, man, because he coming. He bringing it all. May not may not be the biggest, but I promise you, you're he coming it. and you gonna feel it. Oh no, <laughs> you gonna feel it. And happy birthday to Randy, twenty two today. Yeah, I'm I'm tripping. Yeah, I'm just gonna upload. Happy birthday to Randy, man, twenty two, yeah. man. And, and, and him and Billy Napier share a birthday. How about that? Yeah, that, that's crazy, man. Randy actually a great dude, man. Uh, yeah, he's he's, he's on his way to Philadelphia right now with that with the Eagles. Yeah, he's going to do big things, man. And it, it's crazy just how this thing come back. He wanted to, his dreams was to go to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you ain't go playing football, but the game got you, your resources, and you still at the top. So, man, this thing just thing called life is pretty interesting. Man, Miami doesn't make doesn't make soft kids. So, like you, you, he, Randy got dealt a, a tough hand. Um, he stayed positive, and, and he's making the best of it. And I think you just said the best. Like his dream was to play in the NFL. That wasn't in the cards for him with God, but he's he's in the NFL now in, in a way that he can be. Yeah. Yeah, Randy, Randy, <clears throat> he definitely carried that situation well. Uh, if God wanted to give it to anybody to handle and persevere and have high faith and, and show the world that it could be done, Randy, Randy is the guy. Because he, he – half of this team probably won't even be able to cope like what Randy did and still be mm -hmm. able to stay focused. Like, the guy's still making all A's. Like, still showing up to class. Like, that – that ain't easy. <laughs> I promise you. The game yeah. you love, you four years old, taken away. And you still have to pull your pants up, put your shoes on the clothes, and go to class. Man, that's tough. And for him to do it, he's doing a hell of a job, man. I always salute him every time I see him. I seen him in the building yesterday. He signed the jersey and gave it to me, too. So that's that's pretty cool. I got to get – I was going to give him six. He said he didn't want six. He want five. So everybody know what that number means, man. <laughs> What your did he sign one of his jerseys for you or yours? Yeah, no, nah, he signed the twenty one and gave it to me. So I was trying to return and sign to give him six. He said, "Nah, I don't want six. I'll wait on five. I'm like, "All right, man. yeah, yeah." He, he he's always gonna uh, see you in that Carroll City five. Yeah, man. So like that's pretty what people call me. Like he called me five. Like guys down there, like they address me as five. Like Gamble, Malik, Malik not from there, but. I go to Malik Town. He'll come to my town. He'll see that everybody around the town still call me five. So like it's just at first it was kind of different because he like you were six, but that's just <laughs> what everybody called me. Still to this day, like even with wearing six for three years, they still screaming five every time I go back home. So 
We'll All listen. right, five. Well, I got to ask you about the uh, the rest of your quarterback room, uh, <laughs> running back room. Um, I was surprised. I remember uh, seeing Montrell with a helmet on. Didn't get to really see his face. I'm like, Dan, this is a big dude. Then we mm-hmm. talked to him after the spring game. I'm like, he looks 12 years old. He's got braces. He's got like a baby <laughs> face. I'm like, I, I, it reminded me that like, man, he's still a freshman or you know, going to be a sophomore. Like, this is still still a young guy. Um, and then obviously Lorenzo in that room. You guys have a lot of talent. What is it like to be around them and, and work with them and compete with them? Just going out, man, being able to compete with those guys, man, it's just it's very great, man. I mean, you can't have no days off. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go out there with your A game every time. Uh, Montreal is a great addition to the room. Uh, he's a guy, smart, talented young guy. He know the offense, familiar with it. And not only just the offense. Like, he, he's able to, like, like I hear him speaking meetings. Like, he know defenses. He know coverage. So, not not even just the offense part. Well, okay, yeah, he know he been in it. Like, he took his game to the next level. Like, he, he could call out a blitz. He could call out a cat blitz, a corner blitz a boundary, a bandit safety coming. Like, he could call out those different Sam Ds. Like, he could call out those different blicks, and it's natural to him. So just having him in that room and be able to just help us. And actually, honestly, like, he helped us understand the playbook the way he see it. And we and we able to relate to the way. Like, he, he give us little hints. Hey, when I first came in, this how I remember this play. This how I remember this signal. And still to this day, I kind of use his tips more than the coaches a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys this season. Looking forward to seeing you rocking that number five jersey. Definitely. Um, and, and more than anything, man, we're happy that you're healthy and that you're back. Um, so we yeah. wish, wish you the best Thank of luck, and I appreciate you taking out the time today to uh, share some stories with us, man. No, nah, thank you guys for having me. Definitely a blessing. Hope you guys have a best day moving forward. Absolutely. Have a good one. Yes. He's back in the five officially now. So um, we're going to jump to this final break. We'll come back and uh, wrap wrap things up on the Gators Online podcast. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Appreciate Naquan for joining us in the last segment. And really... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, sharing a great conversation with us uh, about his experiences with Aubrey Hill and everything that he's been up to this offseason. And I, th- I think, you know, going into training camp, it's right around the corner, a couple weeks away, Nick. And I think we had a lot of questions uh, about this team going into SEC media days. Some that we thought we might get answers uh, there in Atlanta, but some we're not going to get answers to until this team actually gets on the field and starts practicing. Um, we mentioned how Anthony Richardson handled SEC media days. I think that that was one of the biggest questions for the Gators going into this week. Um, another one was was, was going to be what Billy felt like his team's 
biggest strength was and biggest concern was. Um, hearing when I asked him that question, he, he really had a lot to say about the, the way that this team handled the regimen phase, the way that they kind of attacked spring ball. Um, kind of speaks to the buy-in that I was talking about in the first segment. But as he said, to me and on the stage at SEC Media Days, when you put the ball down, these guys are ready to play. Um, and they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. There's an edge to them. They, they obviously feel like they have to go out and prove themselves after the season that they had. Um, and just the fact that there hasn't been a lot of resistance. Um, now, I don't know uh, if Billy would necessarily call out the players if there was resistance, um, but I think that's been a pretty consistent theme that we've heard mm -hmm. even back from when we were doing – some insider reports at Gators Online about some of the early right. you know, foundation phases. The that that buy-in has kind of been immediate. Uh, for other guys like Naquan, it's been slow, but the majority of the team, I think, really, I think, have shown in spring and now in the summer phase um, that they're all in with this staff. Uh, the concern, obviously, is, is some of the depth that that we alluded yeah. to. Um, he feels good about his first team defense, first team offense, but there's still not enough depth in that second and third team units. And there's numbers there. It's not like they don't have the players. It's not like they don't have the bodies. Uh, there's just so much unproven. Uh, and you don't know who you can count on. You don't know who's going to play with consistency. A lot of that is still uh, to be figured out in camp. Another big topic, not just for the Gators, but throughout this week was NIL. Yeah. And that's been brought up with pretty much every single coach. A lot of players have been asked about it. And it was certainly a topic of conversation yesterday. And, Nick, you had a story about what the players had to say about Gator Collective mm -hmm. and, and, and what that's done to provide them with, you know, a bunch of different opportunities in the NIL space to earn, to earn money, to interact with fans, to do, you know, podcast interviews like you guys just saw with Naquan Wright. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what NIL is about. Now all the logistics of it and trying to figure out the rules – um, that still that still needs to work itself out, but players are already benefiting from it, and at least here at Florida, they feel like it's been a huge positive. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> what rules? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think anyone's following the rules, um, but the Gator Collective's doing things the right way. Um, talking to Anthony Richardson about it, he was just down in Orlando last weekend for, for an event that the Gator Collective held, and um, Anthony's a guy who... Uh, in talking to him, loves affecting, especially younger people around him. And he's done a ton in the community at, at local elementary schools and middle schools um, and just getting the chance to interact. And, and sure, yes, they're getting paid for that. Um, and, and, and they're there and they're on contract. But I think guys like Anthony, um, Rashad Torrance is down there as well. Like those guys really enjoy, especially interacting with the younger Gator fans, mm -hmm. when, you, when you have a dad come up with, you know, a, a six-year-old, seven, ten-year-old kid, that just to see somebody who they've only ever seen on TV, and it's a real-life person, and hmm. this is who we're cheering for, and to have an interaction that without NIL and without the Gator Collective is probably not ever going to happen. Except it's, at Fan Day. Except at Fan Day, and then you're waiting in hour-long lines, two-hour-long lines for a 30-second interaction. Not even that. An autograph to go. Yeah. And it's not a memorable moment for that kid. No. No. You know? to, to, uh, when they first started, they had a, a bowling event, and you get to spend an entire 10 frames uh, bowling with, you know, an Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones, I think, was there yeah. at the time. And um, I, I think the, the, the opportunities that the Gator Collective is offering is, is really neat, and it's a really good uh, 
place for fans to go to have those kind of interactions with fans. And listen, it's certainly not not hurting. It's uh, probably keeping some guys at Florida. Um, and and I think the big question and one that we'll get into right now is is NIL going to be a benefit for Florida? It's certainly benefiting the student athletes on campus for Florida right now. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I think that the more that people get educated about it, I think the more that they see the benefits of it and the more that they experience some of these fan events, fortunately for Gator Collective, they open them up for all fans. I mean, obviously the members and, and people that subscribe get a discounted price. Um, but, you know, if you, if you haven't taken part in, in, in some of these NIL uh, events and things like that, I definitely encourage you to do it. Uh, I've gone out there with my son, and, and he's had an opportunity to, to meet with some Florida players. And, I mean, that's th- that's cool if you get an opportunity to do that and you have a kid that likes skater sports, and it's not just obviously football as well. Um, they do it a lot. So it's funny because that, that's not what's getting talked about this week at SEC Media Days is, is, is those type of things with NIL. It's rules and everybody's cheating and it's pay for play and this is not what was supposed to happen um and and look not everybody maybe is is doing things like that or or has those type of um operations in place like let's take in place here at uf but uh it is happening in gainesville it's just important to tell both sides yes people are cheating yes uh, bags are still being dropped guys are getting paid to come to schools to take visits to not take visits um but to, to throw it all and lump that in and just say NIL is bad, I think is disingenuous because there are schools, and I'm sure Florida's not the only one, but like Air Collective and Florida are doing right by these student-athletes that they have on campus right now. And a, another topic, obviously, going into SEC Media Day is kind of just some house-keeping you know, you know, issues was just trying to see where the Gators were at with their scholarship mm-hmm. count and um, was able to you know, talk to some sources and, and kind of figure out where things were on Wednesday now, the Gators did not have to be down to the 85-man scholarship limit until fall training camp started during the first week of August, but they are already at that number. Um, it's you know taken some, some moving parts for that to, to get there, but it's the situation has sorted itself out after mm-hmm. some recent departures from the roster. Um, and also, uh, part of that report that I had yesterday at Gators Online was an update on, on Tony Livingston. He still has not made it to campus, as we've already reported at Gators Online, but provided some more details on kind of his situation and why he has not enrolled yet. Um, it doesn't look like he will be able to make it for this fall, but um, there is some expectations for the future. So definitely encourage you guys to go kind of check that out, um, as well as all the coverage that, I mean, gosh, man, Nick was on fire yesterday in, in Atlanta, um, just churning stuff out. I mean, he had the story about, the, the the workout warriors and obviously a lot of people saw Prince Liam and Milan uh, squatting 700 pounds yeah, Wednesday morning that wasn't even the most impressive number that got thrown up Nick Kingsley Egwu Khan nail that name every time yes uh, Princely not so much not nah, his name is Princely like Madonna one name Prince one name um, Kingsley Egukon, I mean this every, anytime you ask a Florida player who's the strongest on the team that's the name that comes up. Over a 450-pound bench press, squatted 735 yesterday. Um, Dumb. I, I, I'm really interested to see what he looks like this year because I think he's been impressive. Um, he's stepped into a leadership role. Um, I think we might be talking about him. I don't know that he'll be on like like the all-SEC preseason list. Sure. Um, 
but he might be a guy that ends up on the postseason list, which I think matter a little more than the preseason ones. Another, I want to say, I don't know if I call this story important. Depends on who you ask or who you talk to. Um, but nonetheless, this storyline seems to come up every year. Oh, buddy. But this year it's a little bit different because there is a new coach at Florida. Mm-hmm. The coach at this other school worked with Billy Napier. He's advocating for one thing to happen. Maybe some folks feel like, hey, maybe Billy could have the same line of thinking. Billy is punting right now. He's not taking his stance. But Scott Strickland clearly is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Smart did not does not want the game to be held in Jacksonville. He can schedule a game, uh, you know, against Clemson uh, off away from campus, schedule all these, uh, you know, season opening games away neutral from Georgia, games. neutral site games. But he does not want uh, to affect his top three annual recruiting class by not being able to host recruits in Jacksonville for the Florida Georgia game. That's really hurting him in recruiting. <clears throat> really, really tragic to see what it's done to Georgia recruiting. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm just you know, holding him back. Able to host. Uh, Every other year, host a guy for the Florida game. But he wants to move it. I have an opinion. I would like to see, uh, like, a four-year rotation. Do Jacksonville, Athens, Atlanta, Gainesville. Don't go to Atlanta. Don't go to Atlanta. Just do the three. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Um, But uh, Billy kind of says, hey, I want want to experience this game. College football is about tradition. It's about pageantry and you know, there's there's games like the Red River Rivalry, the world's largest cocktail, uh, outdoor cocktail party. I don't care what the city of Jacksonville says. That's what it is. It is. Um, forever and always. Forever and always. The, the, having one side of the stadium orange and black, one or uh, red and black, and the other side orange and blue, the tailgating that starts days before the game, um, it, it's a really special environment. Um, it's not for us. <laughs> it's a very sterile press box environment up there in Jacksonville because it's a closed press box. Um, Except for when the Georgia writers sometimes cheer, but yeah. I digress. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's a, it, and stuff like that, that pageantry, that tradition, they've held it in Jacksonville every single year except for 94 95 when the stadium was doing renovations since 1933. So other than two years, Every since 1933, it's been in Jacksonville. Yeah. Plus, let me let me remind Kirby, when they did the home and home, it didn't go great for you guys. No, the uh, the guy the the namesake of the place we're sitting in hung half a hundred between the hedges, uh, so it didn't go. Be well. careful what you wish for. Yeah, um, but Scott Shurton came out and said basically because of the tradition, uh, the financial uh, implications. implications for both schools. I don't see it moving in the foreseeable future. Um, last year, the schools made. A million dollars paid by the city of Jacksonville to play the game in Jacksonville. Uh, they'll make 1.12 or 1.15 this year and one and a quarter million dollars uh, next year. Uh, so that's a nice check to uh, take a bus up to Jacksonville or down to Jacksonville from Athens. And the final question that we had for SEC Media Days, at least myself, uh, and I'm sure a lot of Florida fans out there, uh, not that it matters, but it's just curious to see where the Gators are predicted mm-hmm. to finish in the SEC East. Now, as we record this here Thursday at Spurs Gridiron Grill, we do not know those results. It'll be out tomorrow. It'll be out tomorrow on I Friday. I filled my ballot out. I don't know if you did yet. I have not, so I will. Um, but I'm gonna Nick, go, I'm gonna uh, where do you think they will be picked to finish? Where do you think they should be picked to finish? I picked – I'll do three. I picked Florida to finish second behind Georgia. Uh, I picked Alabama and Georgia to win their respective divisions and then Alabama to beat Georgia. The way Nick Saban 
was talking has me scared. Like Nick Saban is talking very bravely. And he also and, just and he like, also just stuffed Kirby in the locker for that running back. It's, it's like a quiet bravado that he's talking with that he only sounds this way when he knows, okay, this team's gonna be really good. Like we're gonna we're gonna dog some teams this year. Um I think Florida will be predicted by the media that voted to finish fourth in the SEC East. I think they'll be behind Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky, which I think is crazy. That's but I crazy. think that's how I think that's how it'll play out. I think Tennessee, and maybe not behind both, but I think Tennessee or I think Tennessee will be picked second. What is out of those two teams, Kentucky and Tennessee? What is what is more appropriate? For Florida to be behind. Which team is more appropriate for Neither. Florida to be behind? Neither. If I, you I, had to pick one. Listen, Hendon Hooker had a really good game against Georgia. And in a loss, they, they were really close. Or they were really close against, um, sorry, against Alabama um, last year. Was it Georgia? I can't remember. He had a really strong end of the season. But the end of the season included Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> not, not, the, not the top competition. Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. Who's the best quarterback? Anthony Richardson. I put him as the second, my second quarterback on my uh, All SEC ballot behind the Heisman Trophy winner. I think, I, th- I think that they should be. I agree with you. I think they should be two. Um, I think they should be no further down than three. Um, which team I th- should Just being around should- there and hearing people talk like there is a ton of hype for Will Levis. Shout out to his agent. He's doing a great job doing the Lord's work for Will. And there's a ton of hype around Tennessee there the is. way they finished the year because they well, finished the year strong more, every which year. Which one's more legit though? Who's gonna um, have a better season out of those two teams? You think uh, Tennessee will? See, I think Tennessee will as well, but I think that Kentucky is more deserving to be picked ahead of Florida based on the fact that they beat them last year and they have a chance. I think opening the season early in the Billy Napier tenure to get a win in the swamp. So, I don't know. I, bro, we're gonna have we're gonna have to do a prediction show. We'll spend an hour. What's the harder game, Florida Week Two against Kentucky or Florida Tennessee. Week Four at Tennessee? At Tennessee, you're you're on the road. Um, Tennessee's got a better quarterback. Um, do they? Hendon Hooker's better than than Will Levis. Not that is not a consensus opinion, my friend. It's consensus. Okay. I think Anthony Richardson's better than both of them. I think he is, too. Healthy. So, man, I just, like, the thought that Florida could be picked to finish fourth is... Um, I, I'm, ju- I'm just, I'm, make, I'm basing that on just talking to people, listening to the questions that have been asked to multiple teams. I think people are down on Florida because of what they looked like last year. Agreed. I don't think people are high enough on Anthony Richardson because they think he's injury prone. I think Agreed. getting the knee cleaned up is going to help the hamstring injuries, everything in your body is connected. If your knee is weak, Agreed. your body starts overcompensating and you start pulling some things, I think Anthony Richardson stays healthy. And I think Anthony Richardson, if he stays healthy and plays the way I think he can, he will be at the Heisman ceremony. At the very least, Florida will be better than Tennessee in Kentucky. I did go off on a little rant there, but definitely what you said. Yeah, I'll walk walk it back. I'll walk it back to, to, yes, they will be better than those two teams. Um, All right, well, that was fun. We really appreciate uh, Naquan for the time. And uh, we're going to have some musical chairs here for the next couple weeks on the Gators Online podcast. I will not be here next week. 
and Nick will not be here the following week, but our plan is to have an episode both weeks. Who those guests could be, stay tuned to find out. <laughs> For Nick Delatore, I'm Zach Albaverde. We'll be back together on this show in three weeks. Yeah, I'll see you guys next week. And I'll see you guys in two weeks. Appreciate Naquan for joining us. Take care, everyone.